All right, just a, a little review. We're doing two Sundays probably, maybe three, on just basic newthetic counseling, biblical counseling. I've been trying to do a few little topical things because people ask me questions here and there, and it's, it's handy to say, hey, I got a class on it, and I can I shoot it to them and answer their questions real quick. And they can listen to it on times two, and that's that. So really all we're doing in this class is covering three things. The renewing of the mind, the putting off of the old self, and the putting on of the new self. That's just the basics of change. How you can change or how you can help someone else change. So what are the three things? Renewing the mind, put off the old self, and what's the, uh, the fancy Puritan word for that? Anyone? Mortification. Mortify the flesh. That's right. And then put on the new self. And what's the fancy word for that? It's even fancier. Vivification. It's hard to say too. Vivification. Yeah, putting, putting off, putting on. Uh, some some uh, people say, uh, what was it? Dehabituation and rehabituation. I've heard that one too. Uh, just put off the old self and put on the new self. That'll work for us. So, real quick, what is biblical counseling? Well, it's totally biblical, not mixed with humanistic falsehoods. Biblical counseling is one Christian using the Bible and prayer to help other Christians change. All right. And here's a premise for us. A genuine believer who knows his Bible, so we have two qualifications. They have to be a genuine believer. They have the Holy Spirit. They know their Bible and has some care and some courage, they can counsel other Christians, right? So that's either you or it can be you, right? So what are the different qualifications? We talked about this last week. You have some care. You got to care in your heart. You have to have the courage to confront. You have to know your Bible, and you have to be a genuine Christian. And um, care and courage are gifts from the Holy Spirit, so how can you get more of that? You pray for it and ask for it and continue to make use of the means of grace through which God helps you to be a more caring and courageous person. So if you're not caring or courageous right now, you can be. That's one of the promises of the gospel, that you can change. And if you don't know your Bible, you can learn your Bible, right? God's given you the means, if you uh, take advantage of them, to become very skilled in the Bible. And so with all of those things together, you can help your kids change. You can help yourself change, your spouse change, you can help your, your friends change, anyone who might have need. So this isn't for every Christian, it's for those Christians who meet those qualifications. If you don't meet those qualifications, um, I would, I would uh, suggest appointing people uh, to people who do meet those qualifications and sit in, maybe you can uh, grow and get there, all right? Uh, the three presuppositions, and uh, Kevin, I think you have the verse for me, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No, these are, the, um, these are the presuppositions of biblical counseling. If you go into it, and um, formally or informal, even if you're just giving biblical counsel, not doing formal counseling with, with appointments and homework and all of that, just giving biblical counsel, these are the three presuppositions. It's 1 Corinthians 10.13. You think we can get it, Kevin? Or it's my fault. I didn't have this one printed out. 
Anybody have it on their phone real quick? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Want to read it for us? All right, you are familiar with that passage. What are the presuppositions in that passage? Paul first is presuming that the person he's writing to is a genuine believer. So that's required, right? Can you change if you're not a Christian? I mean, genuinely, deeply change. No, you can change styles, but you can't change change. Okay, so Paul's presuming that you're a genuine Christian here. What are some other presuppositions here? Some things we need to presume if we're going to engage in giving other Christians counsel. That God is what? God is faithful to his promises to us, to sanctify us, to make us holy, to a.k.a. change us, right? Have you ever had to, had tried to help someone and they said, you just don't understand, and you said, I may not experience, this is what you could say, I may not have experienced the exact thing that you are experiencing, but all of our problems have some overlap. You know, even if it's just by analogy, all of our temptations are common to man. And everything that you suffer, right, though it might be unique in some of the details, you're not the first one and you won't be the last one. It is a problem which is common to man. Amen? And if you've ever been, and every, any pastor can tell you this, um, when you try to help people who are genuinely, um, you know, need serious help, quick and a lot, <clears throat> it's almost one of the first things they always say. You can't understand what I'm going through. I need an expert. I need someone who has the credentials, the lab coat, the office with the big desk, someone that instills confidence in me. You're just an everyday Christian. You see the problem with that? <clears throat> and a lot of pastors can fall into that trap and try to come across as though they hover off the ground three inches so that you can feel like they're an expert, you know, so you can trust what they have to say, you know. But you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have a diploma or a degree. If you're a genuine believer with the Holy Spirit, with the Bible, and you know your Bible and you have some care and some courage, you can help. You can help, right? So, because their situation is common, it's common to man, you can identify with them, it's possible, right? But what else? What are some other presuppositions here? God is faithful to his promise to help people change. And you see the key is they don't really, they're, they're struggling with faith, they have a lack of faith. That's why they say that, but you can help them with that. What else? What are some other presuppositions here? There's always a way of Escape. There's a way of escape. There's something in the Bible can help us with this situation. Now, if, you, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you're going to run into some situations where you're going to say, you know what? I'm not exactly sure what the solution is, <laughs> but give me a couple days. I'll go figure it out, right? I'm going to go do some research. I'm going to look it up, you know, uh, but the Bible has the solution. There's a way of escape. There is a door that we can walk through. Right? Your situation is not unique. It is common to man. The Bible addresses it, and God is faithful to help us change. So those are, um, those are our presuppositions. The problem isn't insurmountable. If you have faith, faith is a victory which overcomes whatever problems we face. And there is a true and workable solution in the Bible, <clears throat> even if we have to go and hunt it down.
Amen? All right. Now let's get into um, our class for today. That's mostly all review. But what are the three aspects of change? Renewal of the mind, putting off the old self, and putting on the new self. We've already talked about renewing of the mind, so just a quick review. Help me out. What does it mean to renew the mind? And there's, you can say it different ways. Do what? Change, have your mind changed through Scripture, through the, uh, you know, the reading, the listening, the hearing of Scripture. I like that. I like that. Uh, I also like that he kept the tense proper. It's a command, so that's the mood. The mood is command. Be renewed. But notice how the word renewed is, pa- is a passive word. It's interesting. It's like saying to a tree, be chopped down. It's like, <laughs> how do you do it? To a soccer ball, be kicked into the goal. But because we are Christians and we understand sanctification is a, is a um, you know, it's God and us working together in tandem, you can understand why it is a command to you, right? But it's also passive, right? So it involves your will, it involves your heart, your mind, it involves repentance, but it's a command for you. And if you are a Christian, are you capable of obeying that command? All right. Now, you, ha- it, you have to have faith, right? All right? When you, a lot of times the situation is so dire and we're filled with so much fear, right? And the devil is telling us this is always going to be this way. And so we go in to talk to another Christian and they're like, hey, we have to start with getting our mind right. We got to think straight about this. And they, here come the fears. You don't understand. This is a unique situation. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to be like this forever, and here come all the fears and all the doubts, you know. And there's going to be some, some ugliness in there probably because they're, you know, they're struggling. And you have to help them first get their mind aligned with what the Bible says about themselves and about the particular situation. I think, uh, yes, sir? What is? Be renewed? Been renewed. You have been renewed, you are being renewed, and you will be renewed. (laughs) Yes, and the particular part we're talking about is the present progressive part of that, the sanctification aspect. And that's promised, that's promised. But it's hard when when you're staring at those waves to believe those promises. And so you have to help people to see the Scripture. And if they see the Scripture, okay, and they see the promises of God, but they feel the fears in their mind, and they have the lies in their mind, what will be necessary, it's a more common word, for their mind to be renewed? What will be necessary? There will have to be an act of the will. And what do we call that? Well, submission to God's word, sure. Ask God for forgiveness, that's a part of it. But before all of that, obedience, but it's repentance. And that is, that is the hard, I think that is the hardest thing, you know, um, is if they can repent, there's hope. And, and, and you can ask Pastor Kirk about this, any pastor, people who repent change, and there is hope. And you see their lives just blossom. People that refuse to repent don't change. And even Christians have times where they won't repent, you know, over particular areas, um, I think after some discipline and some growth, God eventually leads them by his grace to repentance. But where, where there's a season of non-repentance, you're digging your heels in on an idea, on a thought. You have to remember, we're talking about a thought, a fear, right? 
you're not going to change. And so when you're trying to help someone, you first start with, they have fears. What does the Bible say, though? And they have to be confronted to some degree to say, hey, you're believing lies. You've got to repent of that. You have to change your will. You have to decide, I'm not going to believe these lies. You understand what I mean? Right? They're, they're, their kids are being bad. And what is the devil telling them? All this work you've been doing, you've been putting in all these years is all for nothing. You've planted this field, you've watered this field for years, and you're about to get one nasty thorn. That's what the devil's telling them, isn't it? Right? And, and then there, the devil's also telling them, you remember how screwed up your father was? You're just like him. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And look at your kid. These problems are all coming from your heart. And the devil's accusing, sowing doubt, and sowing fear. Is it, I'm not the only one with that. <laughs> and when you try to help someone, like to say, no, that is all. What does the Bible say? You think God's going to abandon you? You've been raising this kid for 10 years, and now God's going to abandon you? No. What does the Bible say about your children? What does the Bible say about God's grace? And, and, and they, but they do have to repent. There has to be a repentance where they're like, you know what? I've been, a, I've been believing lies. I've got to stop that, right? That's true of, of anything we hold to that's false. There has to be a repentance. So that's, I think, basically renewal of the mind. It's, pre, it's progressive, by the way. Is this a one-time thing? No, it's a daily thing. Because as you grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord, you're going to grow in more understanding of all the ways you need to re- be renewed in the mind, right? So it's a progressive, constant thing, and God sends tests in your life to help you, right? To expose new ways in which your mind needs to be renewed. It's a lifelong project, and it, and it ends when you're right around, I don't know, 46, Right? You know, you've kind of got it figured out. You know, old dog, can't teach him new tricks. Don't need to be any more renewed in the mind. That's when it ends. And, you're, and, you, and then the rest of your life, you just coast into heaven, right? No, of course not. <clears throat> Amen. It, does it involve confession? Yeah, it's got to, you got to be, conf, confess to whom? Well, confess to Jesus at, at a minimum, but you might need to confess to other people too. You know, that helps. <clears throat> I remember at one time, I was dealing with someone who had a, and this, y'all don't know this person, they don't, they've never gone to our church before, so, um, but they had a problem binge eating. Anytime something made them sad, they would binge eat. They would go into their room, <coughs> and I mean just chow down, tear it up, and, uh, and to the point of like needing to throw up. And uh, I was a very immature young pastor. Um, I'm not sure why God even thought it was a good idea. Um, for this to happen, but uh, I knew we had to start with her admitting that it was a sin. We just had to start there, okay, and so I gave her some homework, and a lot of times in biblical counseling, you give them homework. You know, God gives us homework when we, when we have a problem to face. He's like, okay, well, first, before we deal with this wall, I want you to just walk around it seven times, right? Well, that sounds dumb. I don't know if I want to I'll just walk around it seven times. He does that. Oh, you have a leprosy problem? I want you to just go dunk yourself in the water seven times. You all know these stories are all over the Bible. He makes people go through a little bit of tests, you know, the test of faith. And so I, told her, I said, hey, I, I need, here's your homework. I need you, before we meet again next week, I need you to confess to Jesus in prayer that what you're doing is a sin. Okay, okay. Months went by. She never could do it, and she never would do it. I finally was like, I, I can't help you. Unless there's repentance, you cannot change. And uh, isn't that something, though? She didn't have the power from the Holy Spirit 
to repent. And that's evidence that she was not a Christian. Now, I do think she's a Christian now, um, but that was one of the, the seasons in her life that God was using to expose her, her sin so that she might be led to repentance. But I just remembered that. She never would repent of it and never would confess. So, moving on. After, you rep- after you're renewed in the mind and you get your thinking right and you're thinking God's thoughts after him, you have to lay aside the old self, right? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 13. <clears throat> Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Amen? As a Christian, what are you commanded to do here? Put to death the deeds of the body. So do it. All right. You know, I, There's a funny skit, an old Saturday Night Live skit, I think. Uh, Bill Murray, maybe. He's a counselor. Have you all seen that? Where the guy comes in and he's just doing some crazy stuff in his life. And all the, all the counselor does, Bob Newhart, I think. It's Bob Newhart. All the counselor does is like, what does he say? Stop it. <laughs> I've got this. Stop it. That's, all he, that's his whole counseling technique. It's pretty funny. It's not, there is a morsel of truth in that if you're a Christian. You need to stop it. Right? You say, oh, I don't have the power to. Yes, you do. You're a Christian. I'm dominated by the sin. No, you're not. Right? God isn't going to meet me in this. Yes, he is. You see that Red Sea? Walk across it. I mean, it does sound absurd, honestly. It really is absurd. To tell someone who needs counseling to stop it, the world, with, the world doesn't, not will think, the world thinks, I'm a fool, I'm a donkey, an idiot for saying this right now. And, and, and as I warned you two Sundays ago, if you say this to other people, you'll join the club, all right? But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says you have the power of the resurrected Lord, the Holy Spirit of God in your heart, with promises of sanctification, so stop it. Now, here's the thing. The reason why people tempt, are, are tempted to reject what I'm saying, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just being, this is just logical. It's because you don't believe the promise. Or you believe it little. And so what biblical counseling would do, you try to help the person believe the promise. And claim that promise. Right now, stop it. It's not the only thing we're going to do here. But, that, but you, have to, you have to say, hey, we've got to get our thinking straight. Now, I want you to go home, and I want you to stop it. Okay? <laughs> I remember when I was counseling this person with the eating thing, I said, she's like, I can't stop it. I can't stop it. I was like, oh, um, well, when you have company over your house, do you do it? Do you do it when you have company over? Oh, no, I would never do it with company over. And I said, oh, so you can stop it. She's like, no, I can't. I was like, no, you literally, you're, you're not doing it right now, right? I said, we do need to talk about when you do it, okay? So that's part of the issue here. Um, but I'm showing you that you can do it, okay? I, have, um, I don't often talk to the kids when they have discipline problems at the school. Pastor Scott usually does that and, and uh, Jordan as well and others. But I, I do talk to them occasionally, and it's it's... It's interesting because you have repeat offenders, you know, they're, they're probably going to be the strongest Christians, right? They're, they're going to be like the toughest, you know, they're going to like, you know, build kingdoms for Christ, but they're stubborn, boy, you know, stubborn. <laughs> repeat offenders, they come into the office often, and it's always funny to see, because basically what we're doing is biblical counseling, you know, we're, we're trying to get the kid to change, right? 
with the Bible and with prayer. And we, and we pray with them and we try different Bible verses. And of course, they, their parents are called and they get a spanking as well because the Bible promises to, uh, if you use the rod on the child, that God will, will help you, right, and train them. I hope you're spanking in faith, by the way. I hope you're not spanking, screaming at the heavens, it's not working, right? Whatever you do without faith is not going to work, I promise you. So, but anyway, I love to see how the different uh, pastors and teachers uh, deal with the kids, the, some of the repeat offenders, because we all kind of have our own tactics. And, and it's, you never know what God's going to work, you know, God's going to use. And so it's just always interesting. But I remember one kid, he was telling me, I can't obey, I can't. Yeah, it's just going on. I was like, Jesus promises to help you with this. He's going to help you. And he's like, I don't know if he will. And I was like, watch, I'm going to prove it to you right now. I'm going to prove it that he's going to help you to obey. And I said, you see that tile right there? Go stand on that tile. So he looked at me like I was crazy. I said, Go stand on that tile. Okay, he goes down. Wow, raise your right arm. Pick up your left leg, right? And I was like, look at all that obedience. See, you're, you're, you're obeying me right on the money with a good attitude. Jesus is helping you. He's helping you. I mean, he is helping him. <laughs> I, try to show him I try to show him that, no, you, you, we can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the fears and the doubts, you know, that's just a cute illustration. But if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You can do it. Put off the old man. Romans 6, verses 12 through 13. Here's another command for you. Hey, Christian, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. I don't, you know, Paul, do you think maybe there's a trick? Let not, let not. It's a command. He is presuming you have the power to obey. Of course, if you don't have the power to obey, you're not a Christian. He's presuming you do. Do not, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the condemnation of the law, which was what that means, but under grace. You have the grace of God. Y'all see that? He assumes you have the power. He assumes you're saved. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, 25, just as an example. Therefore, it's not on the back TV. Is there an easy button to do that? Or? Oh, okay. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. All right, so let's practice this. You've got a problem lying, all right? You, you are perpetually lying, exaggerating, whatnot. What do we do? The first thing we need to do is be renewed in the mind by the word of God. Okay, so you need to learn everything the Bible has to say, if at all possible, about lying. All right, what are the different types of lies in the Bible? <clears throat> lying, that's okay, general, genus. What about receiving lies? Is that what liars do? Yeah. Receiving lies, uh, they're juicy uh, morsels to liars. That's right. Uh, slander, that's one. Insinuation, exaggeration, tailbearing. Have you heard that one? Oh, King James word, right? Muckraking, that's another one. Backbiting, flattery, loose lips, false accusation, condemnation without witnesses and due process. We could go on. There's a lot of different species of lying. Learn what the Bible says about lying, okay? All right, that's the old man. 
and then stop doing those things. Stop it, okay? How about um, Ephesians 4.26? Look what Paul says. Be angry and do not sin. It's a, it's a straightforward command there. Learn what the Bible says about anger. Get renewed in the mind. What are the different types of anger? I'm not mad, I'm frustrated. Right? That's just a different type. It's a species of anger, right? Temper tantrums, self-pity, touchiness, offense, hurt, the victim card, bullying. That's the new, the new bully, bully, victim thing. Um, that's all anger. Fretting, worry. Learn about anger and don't be angry. Some of you are looking at me like you think I'm crazy. I don't know. Good pastors try to read faces while they're preaching. You've got to exegete the congregation. Right. I'm going to hold you in some tension a little longer. Uh, what does Paul say to the people who have problems stealing? All right. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. Quit stealing. Stop it. All right. But rather, and here's where we get into putting on the new man, let him labor. Interesting. Dehabituation, rehabituation, right. mortification, vivification. Put off, put on. Right. So learn all the different types of theft. There's a lot of different types of theft. You want to change? Learn all the different types of theft. Right. Fraud, borrowing and not returning, larceny, embezzlement, bad stewardship, enabling, bad charity, socialism, mooching, swindling. There's a lot of different types of stealing. Learn what the Bible says about it. Be renewed in the mind and then stop it. Right? What about money? Greed. Same thing. And don't only learn what the Bible says about it, but as you're learning what the Bible says about it, see that happening in your life. You understand what I mean? You have to let the Bible expose you. You're open before you're vulnerable it's teaching you where you are not aligned with God and you're not thinking Christ's thoughts after him. And you repent. When those things are pointed out to you in your mind, you repent and you stop doing those things. Right? That's the second part. You got a problem uh, cursing, vulgarity, obscenity, right? profanity. There's a lot of different types of, uh, of bad words in the Bible. Right? Learn what the Bible has to say about that. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Put it away from you, Paul says. That's the passage in Ephesians. Put it away from you. Right? Um, how many things can you do through Christ who strengthens you? <laughs> That's right. The question is, do you believe those verses? Do you believe them? Will you claim those promises in prayer? As you ask God to continue to energize you and empower you to be able to stop it, right? What about gluttony? You can stop it. Sloth, you can stop it. Lust, stop it. Envy, stop it. Repent of it. Learn about it. See yourself in those sins and then stop it, right? Put off the old man. That's just another way of saying put off the old man. Amen? Man, imagine a community of people putting off the old man. And having their minds aligned to the truth of God's word. Wow, what a community that would be. It would be something else. <laughs> you say, okay, pastor, all right, I keep trying to do this. But maybe there's something else I'm missing, right? This is like pornography is, is something that young men struggle with a lot. Well, old men too, but especially young men. And, um, and I find it very interesting how <laughs> they try to put it off to stop. 
But they, they very often miss this third part, and that you've got to put on the new man. You see what I'm saying? It's not enough just to stop it. Now, I said it that way for a little while to build tension. Some of y'all were wondering if I was going to say anything else. But, you know, be renewed in the mind. Get your thinking right. Stop it. But then you've got to start something else. You've got to replace it with, a, with righteous habits. Amen? See, what is the need that it is fulfilling? Or you, it promises to fulfill, but it's sorely not filling. And, and fill that need with what the Bible says is the actual solution. Like getting married, right? <laughs> For example, quit unduly delaying marriage. That would be an example. Putting, putting on, right? Um, what would be some other examples, maybe? Anybody want to try anything? Pornography, I'll just tell you, it always goes along with sloth. Maybe not always, but almost always. Sloth, bad time management, bad stewardship of time, Right? Uh, gluttony, drunkenness, drug usage, because it's generally a self-control issue. And it's not like when you struggle with self-control, it's just in one compartment. Self-control is a holistic issue, right? And so you usually see it, they're, they're disheveled in the way they dress. Uh, they're disheveled in their use of time. Uh, they're messy, they're slobs, they're stinky, you know? Not, exclu- not always, but it goes hand in hand with a lack of discipline, a lack of rigor and hard work. One of the best things for a young man to do to put on the new man is to work a really long, hard day's work. And when you go home, you don't booze it up and get drunk and sloth, slothfully lay around and watch Netflix, Netflix and chill. You know, you call a Christian friend, right? Put on good habits. Put on good habits. Amen? That's just one example. But we got to put on new habits. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him work in order that he might make a profit, in order that he might have some margins left over that he can share with other Christians. So Paul tells us, right? Uh, No longer, let the, what what is it? Uh, No longer tell lies, but rather speak the truth one to another, right? Learn that. Replace the old with the new. So gluttony, for example. Um, First of all, we have to see what the Bible has to say about it. We have to be renewed in the mind. We have to get our thoughts right. We got to be getting align our thoughts with what God says and where we're not in alignment in our head, repent. Confess it to God. Amen? Okay. But then what do we put on? What do we put on? What would be the Bible's admonition to put on? Take off gluttony and put on moderation, right? Moderation, right? Something like that. Fasting. Oh, I like that. Yeah, fasting. Good. Good. Um, anything else? I bet you see. Here's the thing. I bet if we looked into it and we dug deep into the Bible, we could find a lot. We could probably find a lot. The solution is in there, right? You just—it's just not a sin we talk about much. <laughs> But we'd have to look into it, right? Um, anything else? Any other examples? If you have uh, like self pity, if you're wallowing in sadness, you would put that off and you would put along gratefulness. Yeah, thanksgiving, gratefulness, right? Uh, singing of, of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? Prayer, of course. Um, what about it? What if you're just like a, just a. An overly scrupulous person, 
just a gnat strainer, right? Is that a sin? Yes, that's a type of sin, right? Um, what would you put on? Camel straining, right? That's what I think. <laughs> Charity, right? Charity, like patience, those kind of things, right? Self-awareness, gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? What if you, uh, you just have a, um, a knee-jerk reaction to all authority? You ha- are anti-authoritarian. You, are rev- you have revolution in your heart. That's a sin from the Bible. That's the sin of Ham and Canaan. That's the sin of uh, Absalom. That's the sin of Joab. Um, there's a bunch of people in the Bible. That's the sin of Satan and Adam, right? What if you have that in your heart? You just hate authority, you know? Anytime they, they don't, you don't get your way, you revolt against them. What would you put on? Yeah, but you, what would be some habits you could put on? Pray, how about praying? Praying for your civic leaders. Every time you see a cop, you like, you're, you hate them, you know? You, and you, uh, you issue, like, imprecatory psalms against them, right? <laughs> I know that in my heart, I'm telling you, that, that's a sin, though. That's a sin. That, those, you have to pray for those people who are in authority over you. Pray for them, right? Serve, right? Etc. I think the more we learn about our Bible, I think the more we learn of the scriptures, the more we're going to learn just how truly tainted with sin we all are. We've got to align our thoughts with that, and we've got to stop it, right? Right? What if you're touchy? Is that a sin? Oh, for sure, touchiness. You think Jesus was touchy? No, what did he say? What is he has a classic command about touchiness. And most people don't know what this verse is about. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. That basically means don't be touchy, right? If they, if slapping in the face is not, they're not trying to kill your wife, all right? A lot of people use that verse to say, so you can't defend yourself. No, that's, it's, you remember the old, the old cartoons, Bugs Bunny take his glove off and slap someone in the face? It's the Roman soldiers disrespected and, and stripped the Israelites of dignity and treated them like dirt, like dogs. And he's, and he's saying, if they try to make you walk a mile like you're a slave, hey, just walk two. He's, he's teaching them how to deal with insult, with, a, 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 with an attack on your dignity, right? And touchy people, that's what it's all about. You know, they're touchy. He said, if you get slapped in the face, turn that other cheek. God will take care of your name and your reputation. So you practice turning the other cheek, right? Man, so we could talk about this all day long. I don't know if I have anything else to say uh, next Sunday or not, but this is just a basic overview of biblical counseling, all right? God's given you promises. You can change by his grace with a little care and a little courage and Bible knowledge. You can help people to find a solution so they can put off and put on. Amen? And, and you know, it's not, it's not going to be an overnight thing. Well, let me just say, there's going to be some overnight things along the way, but sometimes they're gonna, people are going to deal with things that are not overnight things, right? That are, that are maybe lifelong things. Um, but we do believe that they can change, and we can change. Amen? All right, any questions or thoughts before I wrap up? All right, well, y'all have a great Lord's Day.